Welcome to episode four of Speak Better. I'm Rebecca Lindquist, also known as Lindquist the Linguist, and I'm here to help everyone speak better, if I can, with suggestions, ideas, information, and as we've talked about before, specificity. Because you have to know the order to change things in and you have to know what to do. Feedback by itself is not useful if you don't know how to change it. And we're here to create change and improve our speech, which is something we can all improve, whether you're a native or a non-native speaker, and I firmly believe that. What I'd like to talk about in this episode is, does it matter if you have an accent? This is a pretty controversial question, because there are people who say accents are beautiful. However, we all know there's a lot of judgment around accent and even dialect. Not everyone is going to be positive about your accent. It doesn't matter which accent you have. Although in the U.S. there are certain foreign accents that we think a lot of and certain foreign accents that we think less of. And there's a lot of judgment around it. It's frustrating and it's just something we live with. There's also the concept of dialect and we also have a lot of judgment around that. The difference between a dialect and a language is a common question that comes up in the linguistic community. And my favorite answer to that question of what is the difference is just simply to say that although there can be discerning differences between languages and dialects, the biggest difference between a dialect and a language is a language has an army and a navy. As really true, it just basically means that if there's enough political power behind a language, if there are enough countries that use it that are large and powerful, it tends to become a language. Dialects are the disempowered people who, for whatever reason, their language, their dialect, has not been accepted as the main one and has not been embraced as such. And, of course, there's more sophistication to it, but there are ways of speaking that are not viewed as being standard. They're not viewed as being powerful, and those ways tend to be diminished and thought of as dialects. There's nothing wrong with speaking a dialect. In fact, a lot of people who speak a native dialect of a language also speak a more standardized version of that language, and that's true in many languages around the world. But we're going to restrict our discussion today to American English. Now, accent is something I know a lot about from the perspective of foreign accents being worked on in American English, because that is what I coached for 25 years with people from all countries all over the world, or many countries, I should say, all over the world. And many of the speakers weren't just Spanish, although you can imagine with the U.S. being close to Mexico and also from people from Venezuela and Colombia and Argentina and other places come here and have accents, but also people from Vietnam, people from China, people from India, people from all over Europe and Africa and many other places want to work on their accent, especially in Silicon Valley, probably in New York as well, but I lived in California and do live currently in California. So I met a lot of people who wanted to change foreign accents in the sense of speaking American English in a way that people understand. Now, I alluded to this a bit in the first episode, because in that episode, we talked about what it means to be a good speaker. And I said that later we take a deeper dive into accent and what it means to have one and whether you need one or not. (laughs) And we all have an accent. But the idea is that if you are in a position, this is my opinion, I'll just tell you my own personal opinion is if you're in a position where your accent is adversely impacting you, what does that look like? Well, 
adversely impacting you in that you're not able to get the job you want. You're not able to be as successful as you'd like, maybe financially, maybe in terms of visibility. Maybe you're stuck behind a computer and you'd rather be out in front of people. You want to do marketing or advertising or you want to get out and start your own business or you want to get promoted into leadership or whatever it might be. It's holding you back and you're pretty sure it has something to do with your speech. Now, it could be a blind spot. You might not know that it has anything to do with your speech. No one may ever have told you that, but you have an underlying suspicion. Or you may have gone years not getting promoted and then had someone admit to you, hey, you're not the most compelling speaker and we aren't willing to risk it on you. Or maybe it's not someone in a leadership position, but someone else you know tells you, I think it might be your speech. So you may never even be sure. The thing is, though, If you're speaking in a way where people, number one, can't understand you, that's intelligibility. Are you intelligible when you speak? Can anyone from any background understand you? And the any background thing is important because you may say, hey, I work with a lot of other people from China, from India, from Mexico, wherever it might be. They understand me fine. But the problem is you're interacting with lots of other people. And when you're working in a public organization, when you're working for a company or you're working for anything, a nonprofit, it doesn't matter. If you're working for an organization where you need to show up so that everyone understands you, it doesn't help if only people from your same ethnic group understand you well. And that can be a blind spot. You may not realize it. A lot of tech companies, I've noticed, have certain accents that are more prevalent. So in the Silicon Valley, there's a lot of people from China and India, for example. And one of the challenges can be if you are not speaking with that accent, let's say you have a lesser known accent. I've had clients, for example, from Colombia who will tell me that because they don't speak with Mexican Spanish or even just simply because they have a Spanish accent, when they work with all people from India or all people from China, that they will be told that their speech is hard to understand. And they'll be really grasping at straws to deal with this because they don't understand the people they work with, that there will be a lot of people that that sound very unclear. And a lot of times in a technology company, and I can think of several that I won't name, big companies, the leaders at the top are unclear. When you hear them speak on TV, when you hear them speak, you know, publicly in various venues, you'll think, wow, I can't believe this person rose to that level and speaks this poorly, articulates not so great. And it's hard to understand, hard to follow. The messaging isn't clear. You really have to strain to understand them. And you realize maybe they're really smart and they're just hard to understand. The disservice they do is the message they send isn't always clear. And so their audience can be distracted, not fully engaged. It just doesn't send a positive message to people on a variety of levels. It can impact, it can impact customer service, it can impact image, it can impact even their stock price, a lot of things that they're not really aware of and they may not even know that it's holding them back or they may not care. I've talked to people that are just like, hey, this is how I talk and if people don't understand that's their problem and you can think that, although I find it interesting that often the board of directors doesn't agree with them, it so much depends on the situation that you're in. If you're happy with your accent and it's not causing you any grief in life, Keep it. 
Nothing wrong with having an accent. I have friends who speak other languages, and I would say the only challenge sometimes can be that someone who doesn't speak that language has difficulty understanding them. So in other words, let's say I have a friend who has a French accent. I understand her very well when she speaks English, even though her accent is what most people would call strong. If someone else speaks French, they understand her too. But let's say someone speaks Chinese and they're trying to interact with her in English, they may have trouble. And so for that reason, it might be good to work on mainstreaming some of your vowels, working on the breath work, the articulation, things we've talked about. But the main reason to improve an accent is if it's hurting you in some way, if it's adversely impacting you. And that can be for a variety of reasons, but I find that most of them are job-related. If you feel like you can't get ahead at work, even though you have all the credentials, the MBA, the PhD, the experience, and you're getting passed over for promotions, or you're unable to leave wherever you are and go somewhere else, again, that trap behind the computer when you'd rather be out in front of people, that can be a challenge to be held back or to be held back from a leadership job, to not be offered the opportunity to speak about your research or your work because your accent isn't serving you. That's the time to change it. So let's branch then from, hey, do you need to have an accent? Is Does it matter or does it matter if you try to improve it? Let's branch away from that a bit to a related topic. Here I am setting context. And that is, what if you decide, okay, great, I want to change my accent. How do I go about doing it? And I think that's the thing that there's a lot of mystery around and a lot of confusion. And the first thing is you can't change what you don't know. So back to recording yourself, I think it's important to be able to hear what other people hear. Again, outside your head, because of that bone resonance we talked about in another episode, the idea is that you want to record yourself so that you can listen back and realize, hey, these are things that I'm just not great at. I'm mispronouncing words. Can you identify the things that you're doing wrong? or that you're doing differently. It's not about judgment that it's bad or wrong. It's just the words people don't understand. So how do you know if a listener is engaged? How do you know if they're understanding you? How can you check for comprehension? That's something that needs to be in the forefront. You need to start thinking about when I talk, how do I know if other people understand me? And you can often tell by the feedback. So allowing people to talk to you, allowing people to respond, asking them clarification questions, asking them comprehension questions. If you're giving a talk, having a time when you ask them specific questions, and if you find that they're not understanding the questions, they're not coming back with the answers you would expect someone to come back with, or they're not asking you any questions at all, even though they clearly have misunderstandings about something, it's a really good eye-opener that maybe you need to work on your clarity. I worked at one time with a Japanese CEO who came over from Japan only for a brief period of time, like maybe six months or a year. His plan was to go back to Japan, so he didn't think it was a big deal. However, he found that almost nobody asked questions or gave him feedback, ever. And so he started working with me to improve his speech because he realized they weren't really understanding him. It became an awareness for him without them ever confronting him or telling him that out of respect. They didn't really want to say, hey, you know, you're the head of the company. I don't feel comfortable telling you these kinds of things. They weren't comfortable. 
But what he did do was some exercises that I gave him that were particularly relevant for him. And in his case, it was L and R sounds. And those of you that speak Japanese or know someone who has a Japanese accent know that the L and the R sounds can be challenging, especially in a word like reasonable or parallel, going back and forth between these sounds can be challenging. So I gave him some exercises and he actually had a table in his office. It wasn't his desk. It was a table where people would come in and sit and chat with him. And underneath the glass on the top of the table, he put these exercises. So when people came in, they would ask questions about it. Like, what's this exercise? What's this all about? And he would say, oh, that's something I'm doing to improve my English. And he might joke about a few of the words or ask them to read something. And it was a way for him to start to have a conversation with people. And then he could ask them, hey, was there anything I said today in the meeting that was difficult to understand? If you notice any words that I'm mispronouncing, would you let me know? It would be very valuable to me so that my coach could work on me with that. And then people would start to open up and say to him, oh, I'm noticing this, I'm noticing that. They were able to have that conversation. So that can happen if you're in a position, like a CEO is, where people are not going to tell you. And people don't want to embarrass you anyway. So often people aren't going to tell you when you make a mistake, and that's where recording and trusted friends and colleagues and people that are going to give you supportive, constructive criticism is really important as opposed to someone running you down. I mean, people are always going to be competing for jobs and it's cutthroat out there. And so there may be people that benefit from you not pronouncing words right because they want your job. Who knows? Every, anything can happen. But the idea is that if you surround yourself with a support network and you're consistently working on getting better and you're very aware of your speech and you notice how you speak, it can be a move in the right direction. The other thing is you need tools. Whenever you work on an accent, you got to have tools. And we'll be talking in more depth about various things, but I want to mention that pronunciation in particular can be helped by knowing phonetics. And not everyone knows phonetics, and you'll get pushback even from native speakers. I've had native-speaking English speakers tell me they don't need to know phonetics. And the reason to know phonetics is English words are often spelled differently from how they're pronounced. That's no big insight. Everyone knows the word is spelled one way, pronounced completely differently. And it's so frustrating. The letter O or the letter A or E doesn't have one sound. It can have multiple different sounds in different scenarios. So how are you ever going to manage that? You can't memorize every word. There's no way. No one could do that. No one could expect you to do that. However, if you learn the International Phonetic Alphabet or IPA and you use a dictionary like Cambridge or Oxford or Longmans. These are all British names, but the American version. And it's interesting to me that so many dictionaries are written or published by British companies. And that's fine. I have no issue with that. I just find it interesting that Americans typically don't speak other languages, so they're not really at the forefront of phonetics. We do a lot of other things well, but that isn't one of them. And so English learning books and all of that are often British, and that's okay. Just make sure that when you use one of those dictionaries that you're clicking on the American, if you're using uh, the online dictionaries, for example, or the phone version, there's usually an opportunity to click on UK or USA. And if you click on the US option, it will someone will say the word and show you the phonetic. And if you can learn to read those phonetics, it makes a huge, huge difference because at least you're trying to say the word the way we're saying it, as opposed to seeing the letter O and saying an O when it's really an uh or an ah or something else. You want to be able to say the word the way it's meant to be said without having to listen to other people and try to hear 
hear them. Because as we talked about, and I believe the first episode, not everything we hear as adults is accurate. You can hear something and, ah, you're a little bit off. It's not quite what you thought. So we can't really trust our hearing. We have to trust something else. And phonetics is the way to go. Because the International Phonetic Alphabet, again, this IPA system, will allow you to look at any word, and it has marks for primary and secondary word stress. And the dictionary itself will have a way for you to know what the symbols mean. It will show you. There's a table of context, contents and an index, and you can look it up, and there should be along the way markers, you know, information, and it will tell you what those symbols mean. And you really need to begin to hear it and see it at the same time. Now, especially if your first language is more phonetic, like Spanish or Indonesian, or Japanese, a lot of languages are very, very phonetically written and pronounced the same way they're written. And some languages also have better rules for word stress, like I'm told Hungarian does and Russian does. So if it's more systematic and rule-driven, and yet American English isn't in a sense, it does have rules, but there's either exceptions or multiple complex rules or whatever it might be, and so it's not so easy for you to look at a word and know how to say it for whatever reason. So looking at the IPA and immediately knowing how to say any word is very, very useful. There's also lots of resources out there to phonetically transcribe an entire text. So you can cut and paste, and now with ChatGPT and BARD and all these tools that we have in AI, you can also begin to integrate that so you can take a speech that you have, put it into those tools and say, hey, do this for me. Show me which words to stress. Give me the phonetic transcription of this. And if you know phonetics, you can get a lot of support to say things correctly. So it's really important to know phonetics. If you don't know it, then I would start there. And one of the easiest ways is to download one of these free dictionaries. You don't have to start. There's all kinds of stuff out there, but just pick a free one. Cambridge, I believe, has a free one. I used to use Longman's. And a lot of them, will something will be online, and then it will change, and it won't work as well. Just look for another one. And again, Oxford is the other resource that tends to have a nice phonetic dictionary. Now, Webster or American Heritage, these are great dictionaries, but mostly for writing and definitions, not so much for pronunciation. And remember, pronunciation is all about knowing, hey, which sounds am I using here? Which syllable am I stressing? And what specific sound am I using? Is it the N or the N, right? There's two different sounds for N in American English. So knowing which sound to use can be really, really important, and that's where the phonetic comes in. So you've got to learn that. Downloading one of these dictionaries, you can get an app for your phone that has a speaker saying the word and then also the description, and then maybe just type in one or two words at a time. Like let's say you're waiting in the doctor's office and you've got some time on your hands, five, ten minutes. You just look up a couple of words and practice saying, it and start relying on yourself and your phonetic understanding with the dictionary as opposed to someone else. So it's not like you have to either ignore it completely or rely on what someone else tells you. You can be your own support network. And that, I think, is very empowering to be able to change your own speech. That's for clarity, for vowel clarity. We talked a little bit earlier about muscle exercises and knowing if you have lax articulation, that's where the sluggish articulation I referred to earlier, where you're not using your muscles enough, or if you're over-articulating too much. And with non-native speakers, what I find is sometimes when someone's learning a language, they will really articulate, over-articulate, like exaggerate to get it right. And then they never stop doing that. 
but they get better. And they live in the U.S. for many years, and they get way better at the language, but they keep over-articulating, and they're not aware they're doing it. So that awareness of people saying, hey, I think you're overdoing it, it sounds exaggerated, might be a wake-up call for you to go, hey, maybe I can relax it a bit. And a cue I use for that is, what level of effort are you using to pronounce words? And if you say, oh, it's a level five, like on a scale of one to five, I'm using a lot of effort. Can you come down to a four? What would that sound like? Can you come down to a three? What would that sound like? And just see if you can maintain the integrity of the sounds with using less effort, which also has the side benefit of taking tension out of your neck and gives you a lot more clarity and comfort and probably confidence when you're speaking. So these are all things you can do to improve your accent on your own and without having to you know take classes or hire a coach or whatever it might be although you may need that and the thing about a coach is it fast tracks that's the reason i did it for so many years is it fast tracks people to create differences in their speech in as little as a couple of months whereas it can take years to work on your accent if you're doing it randomly on your own and again random is the kiss of death you want to get an order to things and breathing and phonetics is pretty early in the order and the muscle movement before you try to work on things like vocabulary development that's down the road a bit and you don't want to get those out of sequence so that you can get the best result so back to our original question about the accent does it matter if you have one everything matters but it's a matter of choice and if you want to change your accent it should be because there's a reason to do so it is impacting you adversely and if there's a reason to do it, you can do it. If you are happy with the way you sound, there's no reason to do it if it's not adversely impacting you in any way. Just my opinion, but again, my podcast, my opinion, but I'm hoping that it's useful and helpful to all of you. And I look forward to seeing you in actually talking to you, I should say, in the next episode. 